0: Our lexi for today is Gathemera, Gathemera, or every day. Mera, dedicate a portion of your day to learn something new. This growth will help your mind stay fresh and enhance you as a person. This big giant world has a lot to offer, so even the smallest bit of relevant knowledge can help you seize Gathemera. <music> Eleolado, olive oil, has been celebrated in the civilized world for millennia, nearly eternal. The oil of this fruit has been more than just food to the cultures of the Mediterranean region. It's been medicinal, ceremonial, sacramental, and the foundation of great wealth and power. It is safe to say that olive oil is the ethos the essence of Greek culinary culture. Today, the priceless and life-giving ingredients of this liquid gold can be delivered to you when you purchase your premium bottle of Kefi Life Extra Virgin Olive Oil from the region my parents were born, the Peloponnese. The coveted Koroneiki olive is extensively cultivated here in the southern part of Greece, which offers the unique microclimate needed to grow a fruit netting the utmost nutrient value for extra virgin olive oil. Kefi Life Extra Virgin Olive Oil, a boundless amount of value high in antioxidants with anti-inflammatory properties, linked to good mood and improved mental health. Get your bottle of wellness today when you visit kefilife.shop. It's the Keffi Life Podcast, Kiki Vale with you. And I'm so happy that you're here so that I and my guests and our information that we accrue will help you to balance the mind, body, and spirit and become balanced in the whole person and get as healthy as possible. Because vitality, it's all about well-span, not long-span, right? So the name of this episode is What Doesn't Kill You Makes You Stronger. And I have the perfect guest here in front of me who has experienced more than most people will ever in a lifetime and survive. Sarah Fix is an Ironman competitor. Competitor twenty nine times over. She also has won world seventh place championship. That's the um, place that she made in the world two years in a row. Uh, quite a testament to her abilities, her work ethic, and her talent. But she was here in twenty twenty one, and I interviewed her uh, regarding mental health and mental strength and mental fortitude. And that day we talked about how to become strong in the mind to help the body. And she was about to do. Augusta. And I've invited her back to talk about her journey and how now during October Mental Health Awareness Month, we can learn from even more from her story. Welcome back, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Happy to be here. It is so good to see you. P.S. You look great. (laughs) You look so good. I'm not even going to say what's going on with you, but I just can't even believe what's going on with you. So let's take our our listeners back. When you were here in 21, you were really excited. You were getting ready to go to your 29th half Ironman. Well, it was the tw- I was going to my 29th full Ironman, but I was
1: heading to Augusta, which was a few weeks um, before the full which I was doing in Texas. So you and I chatted, and I was going to go do kind of a warm-up race, but it's 70.3, so half the Ironman distance in Augusta. And then a few weeks after that, the plan was to go to Texas, which would have been my 29th, and then go on to hopefully I was going to qualify for Kona, and, which is the World Championships. So that was sort of what we, we talked about, and that was sort of my goal at that time. And then, um, you know, I was all excited and confident. And I went to Augusta, the 70.3 race, and I got in, I that whole week I felt weird. I didn't feel right. And then I can't really put my finger on it, just didn't feel 100% me. And then I remember the morning of zipping up my uh, wetsuit to start the swim, and I felt not right at all. My stomach felt weird and kind of like was pushing against the neoprene and it just felt uncomfortable. And then I went and jumped in the water, you know, I lined up and did the whole routine and then I went to get in to start. And I just remember, I mean, I probably made it 200 yards if that. um, And essentially I started to drown, started to go under and I sucked back water into my throat Um, which was like an, you know, added, compounded the problem. And so the safety boats pulled me out of the water. And I really don't remember that much about it. I I do remember being put in the ambulance. And I know that my heart was in, you know, like a kind of the beginning of tachycardia, if that makes sense. Um, And then, you know, got, you know, obviously had all the tests and got, you know, blah, 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 and then was able to come back to Chicago, and when I got back, I had to go through testing, and they checked everything, and no one could figure out what happened. Um, You know, what came first? Did I have, like, some sort of anxiety attack, which caused me to go down? Was I allergic to something? You know, and, like, we couldn't wrap it up. What Was there a heart problem? But, you know, they did all the tests, and I thought, okay, well, I guess I'm fine, and so I started training again, thinking I would go on to do the Ironman, the full, um, the Texas race. And a couple weeks prior, I, and a few weeks after, maybe ten days after the Augusta situation, I had this intense pain in my intestines, which I thought was a- acid reflux. So I was taking Pepcid AC all day, and I was in hot showers, like letting the water pound on my back, and I stretched, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, God, this won't go away. This won't go away. I had had that before. I had had the acid reflux. I have had, I mean, I what I thought was acid reflux. Um, I thought that was like normal. You know, I took Pipsi, Pepsidacea a lot or Tums and I never thought that was that weird. Um, and then, anyway, I... Um, by the end of the night, I just said, "Andrew, we need to go to my Andrew's my son. We need to go to um, the ER because I'm in excruciating pain." And with that, I was put on morphine, and apparently, I was going septic. So things were not going down my intestines. Something was blocking them, and so they did all the things to start pulling all the s- stuff out of my body. And they do it by putting things in your nose. And I slept with that through, I think it was like 15 hours of that. And then they kept me in the hospital because they couldn't figure out what was wrong, why that was happening. And um, then finally, I think I was on like day seven or something. They did a test, one of the tests they were running. And I said one word. I said the word flushing, and I said, oh, if you just move that panel up here and push right here, I can make my face turn red. And he goes, what? And then he was the radiologist, and he walked out of the room, and then he came back. And I always envisioned from all the movies and everything you've ever heard, like, oh, if someone's going to give you bad news about your health, like, you know, you go home, and then the doctors call you in for a visit. And I, I thought, particularly with cancer, you would go into a... White padded room, and there'd be all these doctors sitting there, like, you have cancer. And you'd have, they'd have a plan for you. But instead, I was sitting in this gross, grungy space, having this test. And this doctor says, this radiologist comes back in and says, Well, with that, I think you have cancer. And I was like, What? How could the most fit person? Ever Like, I thought I was, like, just a pillar of strength. How could I have cancer? It just seemed like there's just no way. Um, And then from that point, I went home after that. And then about two or three days later, I went to Northwestern. And then all the testing started and it kept going and going until they had it pretty much figured out. Um, And I ended up that I— Clearly, it had cancer for a long time, and it had metastasized all over my body, um, which I found out in sort of increments. But um, I was diagnosed with neuroendocrine cancer, and the first place that they were going to start to manage it was through all of my digestive system and all of my um, female parts. So... Um, And the story just unfolds. Um, Basically, right away, I had a 12-hour surgery. They did a lot of scans, but your body can only be scanned so much. So they finally just said the best bet is just open you up. So from, you know, my top of my rib cage, basically right underneath my, I guess your breastbone or whatever that is, all the way down to my, you know, my kind of like below my, my belly button they opened me up and they took out um, all my female parts. They scraped my pelvic wall. They cleaned, they took out half my intestines. They took out my gallbladder. They scraped my kidney. They cleared out a bunch of lymph nodes that were carrying it. They cleaned out both lobes of my liver, which they said was huge because one side of the liver was really dominant with the cancer and the tumors. But the other side wasn't as bad. So they were like, we're going to leave one lobe alone. But actually they did both lobes, which they were really impressed with. And they cleaned the outside of my lung. And then they sewed me back up. And I spent that winter healing, um, you know, counting down the days till I could run again swim again, bike again. And, um,
0: yeah, I mean, that was basically it. And then, um, so that, that, 29th Ironman, which where you was the beginning of the test for your mental fortitude because you didn't get out of the water. They had to rescue you. Right. And this was like so atypical of you. Right. So this was really the beginning of your test. Like some people think, oh God, I just have to have mental strength to finish the cross line or right. cross the finish line. Right. I was so nervous I said it wrong. Yeah. But I, you know, but your test now is really beginning because now you're opening up a whole can of worms if you will in your body and finding out all this stuff. So what was the real te- what has the real test been for you? What have the last two years been like you're still here if people could see you, you'll look great. most people would like cave cry and
1: give up. Well I think I, I'm thinking about this one thing really quickly I I definitely felt one thing I remember with my doctor, I'm going to fast forward and tell you that I have done another half Ironman, actually another three half Ironmans and a full Ironman since my diagnosis, which I did this, which I did this summer. But I remember when I went to ask my doctor, do you think it's possible? And he said to me, I've never had a a customer. I've never had a patient. He goes, do I think it's possible? I've never had a patient come to me when I've given them this diagnosis. And from the first day since your surgery, you've said, when can I run again? When can I swim again? When can I bike again? He's like, most people do not do that. He said, I don't experience, you know, he goes, I've never experienced having someone come in my office that's like you, but certainly I have never experienced that sort of um, need to continue to you know, push their body and, and that kind of thing. Keep so he's, going. Yeah, keep going. So he said, yeah, I think you can do it. I, I 100% think you can do it. And where there's a will, there's a way. And I think you're going to find it. So I did. Wait, could you repeat that? Well, where there's a will, there's a way. And I think you're going to find it. So, I, um, so I, I kind of knew, hopefully, like, okay, just keep healing and keep, you know, moving forward. But now to backtrack, after the surgery, I did heal and I did follow the protocols and I did start swimming. I did start. But at the same time, they have to continue to test because they don't know where all the cancer is. And like I said, you can't just x-ray and scan and put chemicals into your body day after day to, to find out where all the cancer is. You have to do it in parts. So then we did the heart. In the lung and the heart, there's some tumors on my valves. Then they did my brain. There's some in my my head. Then they did my spine and my neck. It's in my spine and my neck. And then they did the final one. This is over months, right? I mean, they find it and no more surgery was needed, but um treatment. Um, lots of different treatment and and just perfecting exactly what the protocol was going to be to keep me healthy. Um, Lots of side effects with treatment and how was I going to live my life with the side effects of both the hormones that are excreted from the tumors and also the treatment that I was taking. So I, um, that was, you know, all of that is a learning curve. So my job probably, it was so stressful. And that was probably too much stress on my body. So, you know, I lost more than just my health. I lost my, what to me was my identity. I'm a triathlete for 20 years. I'm, you know, I'm known as a triathlete. I'm known as, you know, 25, 26, 27 time Ironman finisher. My job is coaching. My job is cheering on athletes. My whole life was training people. I own training facilities for retail and training and coaching. That's gone. I mean, talk about cutting someone's hands off. Like it was horrific. So I lost that. I lost my, you know, the talent that defined me and my health. I thought I was the healthiest person there was. So it was a really, really difficult time. But then to continue to get more information that the cancer was further along than I knew originally, there I hit a wall um, probably about seven or eight months, nine months in with the final diagnosis that it was stage four and it was in my bones. And I felt like I wanted to, to kill myself. I felt like I would not be able to survive. I did not know how I was going to go back to another doctor's appointment and they were going to tell me, well, now it's here. I just, the words, it was like, I couldn't hear the words anymore. And I remember making one Instagram post and I'm like walking in and them saying, please roll up your sleeve. The words, please pull down your pants and please roll up your sleeve is so triggering for me. And that's like the idea of going to the doctor and hearing that there was one more problem. I was like, I'm out. I cannot, I don't know if I can do it, but I called my best friend and we traveled down the highway together. I stayed on the phone with her. I didn't, I stayed on all the way until I got home and we made up a plan and You know, I got through that night, and then I got through the next night, and then I got through the next night, and then slowly but surely, something switched. And I'm like, I am an Ironman. Yes! And I'm like, I am going to take everything I've ever done in this sport, and I am going to survive this, prevail, destroy carry on. And I just started using everything I had been coaching, everything I'd been preaching, everything I'd been living for the last 20 years in my career as an Ironman. Maybe I would never be an Ironman again. As you know, now I gave you the precursor. I actually am an Ironman again. (laughs) But, um, yes, girl. Yeah. But I, but I, I, uh, I was like, I'm gonna, you know, use that mental tenacity and I am not going to let this get me down. And um, I think, you know, we, people tease me all the time about my Instagram, my Instagram stories, but I think that's my only outlet. You know, I've been asked, please do a book, you know, I've been in articles and that kind of thing, but it's like, that's my little outlet of like sharing with the world, like, you can be struggling and be, you know, hurting, but it's like you just carrying on and doing those things that make you happy and make you healthy and keeping that brain active and keep moving forward. And I, I mean, I think I'm Steven Spielberg of my Instagram, but (laughs) (laughs) with my stories, but yeah, that's like what I'm trying to help people, you know, understand that, how to, how to move forward. So anyway, it's been a real journey.
0: Whew, I think the director needs to come to you. And like we talked about in the green room, Sarah Fix, world championship. And yes, you are an Iron Man inside and out. All the props to you. But I already wrote your first 15 chapters, okay? And you said to me, can you please write the book? No, because you lived it. It's a great story. And I think that people should really heed your lesson, which is At your lowest point, you knew, I have to talk to somebody, and you called your best friend. Yes. And you know what? Please share her name again. Diane. Love you, girl. Yeah. Because Sarah's strong, but she needed you in that moment, and you were there. And that's, you know, friends are very, very, very important, and people that you love. And, And I think that's a good message for Mental Awareness Month is that, hey, if you're hurting so bad and you really think it's the end, do reach out to somebody reach out to somebody you trust and love and who's been with you forever. Is that the secret to keep going? Or if it's not, what would it be? Um, Well, I think you can't, I don't
1: think, I do believe reaching out when you don't, when you're in pain and anxious and letting others help you find your answer is helpful. But I really believe to be successful at healing and moving forward it's got to be inside so it's like i took i took all the stuff i inside of me and i'm and um and used all those tools i pulled out my toolkit i pulled out my iron man toolkit and said okay you know when you've got the big iron man coming up how do you train what do you do what are your steps and I kind of like attach those to everyday living. And then I could do, you
0: name like, can do they come to mind? Are there five or six you could share with us?
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I do think the first one is a hundred percent. Okay, everybody has what it is inside of them that makes them feel at peace, makes them feel better, makes them feel good. Makes them feel accomplished, whatever it is, you know, maybe it is giving someone a massage. Like maybe that's something that really fills you up. So, what really fills me up is physical motion. I am better in motion than being sedentary. I am like, I move through life. That's, I am in constant motion. That's it. That's my thing. And so, to have to shut that down was like so scary. But when I was like, you know what? Actually, I can go swimming now. And I started with the little swim. Or I can go running. You know, I can remember my first run. It was like the best day ever. And, you know, I can ride my bike. And just starting to apply little things into my day that were making me feel good again. Um, And then I think also you just... We're in charge of our brains. So like when I think of Ironman athletes and they decide to shut it down and start walking, you know, I always have the mantra. It says swim, bike, run. It doesn't say swim, bike, walk. Like in my mind, I don't walk an Ironman, you know? Like even this last one that I did, um, I now have neuropathy in my feet from my treatment. And it was the hardest marathon I've ever run. I mean, I was, it hurt. It was like, it's an uncomfortable feeling, but I, my brain, it says run. So I just, that's the way, you know, I, it's kind of like I've, I train my brain to say, that's the, that's the deal. Like you made that commitment. So that's what you're going to do. And I mean, you can, Just apply that in everything. If you tell someone you're going to be there, be there. If you tell someone you're going to ride your bike 20 miles, ride your 20 miles. Don't bail out on 10 because then you're just training your brain to give up. You're training your brain to say, eh, you know what? I don't feel it. I'm not going to do it. Okay, I have to be a little more aware of my body now because of my illness, but overall, you know, it's like making that choice to want to live happy, and to make that choice to want to put that next foot in front of the other, and it, you have that option. And then I do think you do need the outside floats. You need, you know, you might need a therapist or a group setting to help you with, you know, just to give you inspiration or hear other people's stories or understand you're not the only one. And then finally, I get sad every time I go down for my treatment or any of my things. I do have moments where I'm like, God, this fucking sucks. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. But then I get there and I look around and I go, this doesn't suck at all. You are so lucky compared. I mean, look at what, you know, one, look at the way you're living your life. Look at what you're doing. And you know what? I'm lucky compared to so, 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 so many people. And so are all of us. There's, We all have good things in our lives. We can, All of us can find the good things. It's capitalize on the good thing. Capitalize day in and day out. Let that be the forefront. I don't know. I mean, it's easy to fall back the other direction. Like I said, driving down there, I usually have to drive at 5.30 in the morning and I'm sad. I'm like... Geez, I'm by myself, and I'm going down here, and I, why me? And then I get in there, I go, oh my God, like this,
0: this is it, you know? I, the power sh- of the mind. Yeah, show me something I can't handle. Yeah, really. And that's the power of the mind, and I think you, you really hit it on the head, <laughs> which is to say that um, you're in control of your thoughts, and your thoughts are just that, thoughts. And you're still here, and you look great, and you're accomplished. And you're going to keep fighting. And I have enjoyed this interview so, so much. And it's gone too fast. And that's why you must write a book. I've already outlined your chapters, okay? Um, you just got to fill them in. So in our closing moments, um, two uh, quick questions. The first is, what's next for Sarah And then the final one is, I'll tell you after you tell me what's next. Okay. Something I'm super
1: excited about is that we've partnered up, or we, I should say, I, um, there's no more Endure It anymore. There's just my coaching clients that I coach. Um, and obviously we still have our club team that races, but it's not, no more brick and mortar Endure It. But um, So I am partnering up with um, Go Brewing, Joe, Joe Chura, and um, we are creating the two-person 10K again um, at North Central for this July. And the whole thing is mental wellness. And the theme is... You know, you run a 400, and you hand over the baton to to your partner, and you switch it back and forth for the 10k. So you each run three miles, and the idea of it is around building that community and finding that buddy. I'm passing this off. I trust you'll take it, you know, and then giving that and and that exchange between the two people. Um, you know, you're there for one another. You've got a buddy, and all about that support. Um, is kind of more the focus of this run. Um, obviously, there'll be fast people and it'll be competitive, and we're going to get it all up. And you guys should all sign up and come and do it. Support the cause.
0: In my life, I've learned that, Sarah Fix, if you could answer that question, I think
1: in my life I've learned that I, I, I really think it comes down to about me personally. I am definitely not like anybody else and um, in good ways and bad ways. And, you know, there's just nothing kind of mainstream about the way I am. And I think with this happening, this illness happening, I think I'm celebrating that more than ever. Like, I think, I don't want to say in love with myself, but I feel like I'm, I am so proud of, you know, the person that I have pushed myself to become and the mom that I've pushed myself to become and the athlete I've pushed myself to become and the survivor that I've pushed myself to become. So, um yeah I think as my life has gone on I've realized what an individual I am and I think being an individual is a really good thing and it's really great to be different and strange and off the beaten path and everything no one ever expected it's completely okay so
0: I'm so proud of you love you love you too Stay right there. Up next, your weekly takeaway to keep it all as well. Olá, Kala. This Hola, Kala moment brought to you by the law offices of Liston and Centilis, Ranked number one by the leading lawyers network since 2010. Taking care of all your real estate needs. In this episode, Iron Man Sarah Fix discusses her toolbox for staying mentally strong. I believe we each should develop our very own toolbox for living well. To be Ola Kala all is well, I stock mine with Greek natural honey and thyme lip balm, reading glasses, a water bottle, a notepad, and that's for jotting down aha moments. Think about the things that make your everyday a little smoother, easier, and helpful, and throw those in your, so to speak, toolbox for Ola Kala living. Kiki Vale is the founder of Kefi Life. She is passionate about whole person wellness and living a fulfilled life. Her Kefi Life podcast is created to simply and naturally help you harmonize the mind, body, and soul the Greek way. Visit kefilife.com and check out Kiki Vale on LinkedIn and on Twitter. Join us again next time for more positive energy and inspiration on Kefi Life.